Okay, we're back on this April 20th. That's right, 420. It's 420, so we thought we would call on our marijuana, our cannabis expert. Here is Mitchell Osak, who joins us now. Mitchell, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Great to be here. Good to have you, as always. Uh, mm-hmm. We wanted to do, uh, get you on the air here this afternoon, Mitchell, and get a, a bit of a state of the union, if you will. Uh, where are we overall since legalization of marijuana in this country? Well, we are, three, we are three and a half years into the legalization of adult use cannabis, which is what most people would know as recreational cannabis. And uh, the industry is doing quite nicely. Um, we're annualizing revenues of almost $4 billion a year. That's a growth of $4 billion in three and a half years. We have a vibrant industry, although it's suffering a little bit. And we have literally over a thousand different kinds of products and flour available to consumers across the country. All right. What about uh, use uh, over the past three, three and a half years? Has uh, use been on the rise, Mitchell? Yes, it has. Um, So when we talk about use, we talk about uh, different kinds of uses. I'll I'll talk about the first one, the legal economy. Uh, We went from a situation prior to legalization where 100% of all the cannabis consumed in Canada recreationally was from the illicit market. Today, on 420, we're at a, a point where, on average, roughly 50% of all the cannabis consumed is bought through legal channels, legal retailers or online. If you look at the, the consumption by groups, um, we're finding higher incidence of usage and trial among a variety of Canadians of all genders and, and in all regions and in all age groups. All right, so it's kind of split down the middle in terms of uh, legalized use and black market use. Is that where we thought we would be? Uh, is that where analysts thought we'd be some three-plus years uh, into legalization? I think both analysts uh, and particularly government officials thought we would be much closer to, I would say, 80% legal, 20% illegal by this point. So we have been slow off the mark on that. Now, let me say that the 50-50 split is an estimate because the black market doesn't really report how many people consume their product and what their sales are. So it's all a guesstimate. But I think it's a fairly good guesstimate based on the number of retail stores um, that are available now across the country, including Ontario, as well as the number of products. Okay, let's talk about those number of retail stores, because you and I have spoke about that in the past, whether or not uh, we've got too much, uh, too many uh, licenses uh, were handed out. I saw a CBC News headline earlier today that said uh, Manitoba is a province right now has more pot shops than they do Tim Hortons. Uh, do we have too many shops, do you think? Um, yeah, we have spoken about it, and it, and it is one of those $64,000 questions. The, the short answer is we don't have enough stores yet, but in certain regions or neighborhoods of Toronto and in Ontario, we have too many stores. And it, it, it doesn't take much more effort than to drive down Queen Street West or Dundas or even Avenue Road, where I live, to find upwards of a dozen stores within a kilometer of each other. Now, that's too many. But if you go to municipalities like Mississauga, for example, and Vaughan, there are no stores due to municipal ordinances. So we have too many stores near where I live and virtually no stores in a lot of the GTA. Okay, so the amount of stores, and again, I'll mention Manitoba, with more pot shops than they do Tim Hortons, does that tell us about the popularity of uh, marijuana and legalized uh, cannabis? Uh, Absolutely. It also maybe speaks to the number of uh, uh, Tim Hortons consumers there. I was actually a little surprised to hear that statistic as well. But clearly, 
the, the number of cannabis consumers and the amount they consume is going up across Canada. And um, that's a function of, you know, reduced stigmas, lower prices, and greater product variation. There's a town in northern Alberta, it's called Grand Prairie. Um, they have more pot shops now than they do liquor stores. Um, that happened about a year ago. So we shouldn't be surprised that we see these trends in different municipalities in Canada. All right. Good news, obviously, uh, for users. Uh, good news for governments, I would imagine, as well, right? Because uh, they're taking their fair share of this in uh, tax dollars? Yeah, they're taking more than their fair share, which has, been, which has created a bit of an issue with many of the producers because the tax percentage of revenue collected continues to go up as retail prices go down. So in some cases, and with some products, the tax collected is upwards of 30 to 40% of the total price of the cannabis being purchased at retail. That's problematic when you look at a tax that high. On the other hand, if you look at the provincial wholesalers, whether that's the OCS in, in Ontario or others around the country, the only one I believe of the provincial wholesalers that is making any money is Quebec's SQDC. So the, there's a good news story on the federal level from a taxation point of view, but provincially we still have a ways to go for that windfall. Is that something that in the coming years needs to be addressed if we're going to close that gap between the legalized market and the black market, do you think? I mean, I know there's a lot of things that go into this, including uh, quality, uh, but price obviously plays a major factor as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we want prices to come down because we want to combat and eliminate as much as possible the black market. On the other hand, as long as we have the current uh, structure in Ontario and other provinces where you have a provincial monopoly wholesaler, they are going to want to exact their pound of flesh. At a certain point, um, not everybody could be taking a big chunk of the, of the revenue. And at the end of the day, right now, it's the licensed producer that's suffering because of low prices. So I, I envision a time, and I can't tell you when that's going to be, when the governments ease up a little bit on taxation because they're really hurting the industry. And the provincial governments start taking a smaller markup than they're taking right now. Only got literally 30 seconds, Mitchell, but what's on the horizon when it comes to the cannabis industry? Um, choppy, choppy uh, uh, periods ahead, but the long-term and medium-term trends are very positive. We expect this will become a $8 billion industry in the next three to four years. We'll see some emerging, strong, high-quality licensed producers, and, and hopefully there will be a greater range of great products, both on an edible, tincture, uh, topicals perspective, and good old-fashioned high-quality flour. All right, there it is, the State of the Union on the cannabis industry in the country here on 420. Mitchell, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for this. Thank you, Jeff. Take care. You too. Mitchell Osak is the CEO of Quanta Consulting, and that does it for our time on this Wednesday. Thanks as always for yours. I'm Jeff MacArthur. See you right back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.